Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Alex Merced, and I am the host of Gnarly Data Waves. This is the inaugural episode of our new Gnarly Data Waves program. Again, this is going to be a weekly program where we bring you the latest in sort of data trends, data insights, data knowledge with presentations from people from all across the industry. And in this first episode, we're going to be talking about getting started with Dremio's Data Lakehouse. Okay, we're going to be having a great presentation talking about what is the Data Lakehouse? What are the use cases for the Data Lakehouse? What problems does it solve? Also, it's really exciting. Um, details and showing you examples of this architecture at work. But every week, what I plan on doing is bring you some tidbits uh, before our presentation, just about interesting things that are kind of going on in the industry. And this week, what I'd like to do is just kind of highlight some pull requests regarding some of our favorite technologies, especially regarding like the data lake house. Like one of the key decisions you make as a data lake house is a data lake table format. Again, that's going to be the format that allows that all those park individual parquet files that you have on your data lake, how do how do your tools, how do your engines recognize them as individual tables that you can do updates, deletes, etc. on. And the way that is done is through your data lake house table format. And there's different ones, including Apache Iceberg, Apache Hoodie, Delta Lake. And a big topic is how do you migrate between them when you're using one or the other? And with Apache Iceberg pull request 6449, they are building out a module for Delta Lake to Iceberg migration. And this whole Delta to Iceberg migration is also going to be the topic of an upcoming episode of Gnarly Data Waves. Another really uh, exciting project is Project Nessie, because this enables something called data as code. So the idea is you have your table format. So I have the ability to treat the data in my data lake house as individual tables. But what's really interesting is that in the world of code, we have certain practices that we already use. Okay, We use Git, and we do things like version control, where we have different versions of our code, where we can do branches to isolate work on our code, where if we make a mistake, we can do rollback and things like that. And basically what Project Nessie is doing is bringing that to the world of data, bringing those sort of code-like practices. And this is called the data as code paradigm. And basically, that Project Nessie catalog allows you to have a catalog of your data, of your iceberg tables, where you can do things like branching, merging, et cetera. And the amount of engines that support Project Nessie are expanding. Okay, And now with a pull request 11701 from Trino, Trino will be added to the list of engines that support uh, Project Nessie, including uh, Spark, Flink, Dremio, um, Presto, and again, with now soon Trino in that growing list. Now, in Apache Iceberg, in our data lakehouse table format, um, what happens is that you use partitioning. And that just goes for tables in general. Why do we use partitioning? Because it allows for faster queries to be able to divide up our data in sort of nice, logical ways. And Apache Iceberg has these really nice transforms when it comes to partitioning your data. And right now, you can use them in your SQL. You can use them using the Java API. But soon, with pull request number 3450, you can use those transforms. So that way, you can easily partition a table based on like month or day, or do like a bucketing uh, partition. Uh, a lot of these really great patterns. And last pull requests, or series of pull requests I'd like to mention, are the Apache Arrow Gandiva UDF pull request. So essentially, what happens is that Apache Arrow is essentially a standard for how to represent data in memory. That's basically what powers a lot of the performance improvements you've seen in the processing of data over the last several years. But a part of that project, a project, a piece of that project that Dremio brought to the table was uh, Arrow Gandiva that basically takes um, essentially functions that you, you run and instead of processing them in Java, compiles them down to native code for better performance. And basically every time another Gandiva UDF gets added, that's just another 
sort of SQL function that's being brought down to native code for even better performance. So you're starting to see more and more of those get added. That's always an exciting thing for that project because that benefits all engines that support Arrow. So these are all exciting things. I'm just going to continue improving the, the, the speed, the performance, the flexibility of the data lake house. So keep an eye out for all of those. But when it comes to data lake house, why don't you want to get your hands on the data lake house and go take it out for a test drive? And that's what Dremio test drive is for. So if you head over to Dremio.com, you can go start the test drive. It doesn't require you to put down a credit card or anything. It just gives you an opportunity to just get hands on with Dremio real quick, same day, and run a few queries, try, try out a few things so you can get a feel for what the data lake house provides. So head over to Dremio.com and try out the Dremio test drive. Also very exciting, and I'm very excited about this, is that on March 1st and 2nd, um, our annual conference, Subsurface Live, is going to happen. Okay, And we're going to be doing some new things this year. So basically, Subsurface Live is a great conference where we bring you all sorts of great talks on data lake house architecture, open data technologies, all sorts of really exciting things. But this year, along with having the virtual conference, we're going to have some in-person locations in San Francisco, New York, and London. So if you're interested in, in being there virtual or in-person, make sure to register over there at dremio.com slash subsurface slash live 2023. So there's the URL right there at the bottom. Okay. Another a series of events that we'll be doing is the data hops tool. We'll basically be going to a city near you and creating a, an opportunity for you to socialize with your data colleagues and, and share uh, strategies, uh, techniques, and just have a good time. So join us at, at an event near you, whether at Dallas, Santa Monica, Boston, Chicago, London, they're all listed there. Go to your local Data Hops Tour event. You're going to have a good time because oh, it's always nice to get out and socialize, right? And last bit is um, we're going to be doing, again, gnarly data waves generally every week. And so we have a lot of great content coming for you. Um, next week, we're going to be doing uh, the data, basically migrating your BI on the data lake house from Apache to Apache superset. So how could you use Apache superset to do your data lake house BI? Uh, then I will be presenting about migrating from Delta Lake to Iceberg and discussing different strategies and how you can do so. Um, then we'll have a presentation on January 31st about how to optimize your Tableau dashboards with Dremio. And then on February 7th, we're gonna be having Apache Iceberg office hours. Okay, where basically if you got Apache Iceberg questions, we got Apache Iceberg uh, answers, and we're going to be glad to bring them to you, and it'll be a fun time. We've done one before. It was a great time. So hopefully you come join us for our next one. And with that, we're going to kickstart our presentation, uh, which, again, is about getting started with the Dremio Lakehouse. And for this presentation, we're going to have presenting Reed Maloney, Chief Marketing Officer of Dremio. We're going to have Brock Griffin, Principal Master Solutions Architect here at Dremio. Again, make sure during the presentation, to put your questions in that Q&A bar at the bottom. Um, we'll be here answering them as those questions come in. And then we'll also take time at the end after the presentation is done to answer them live. So make sure you check that out. We'll be, we'll be monitoring that. And basically with that, um, the stage read is going to be yours. Hey, thanks so much, Alex. Really, uh, really appreciate it. And uh, very excited to talk to everybody about, you know, getting started with Dremio and mainly really what, what are customers doing with it and how are customers getting started and what are their use cases. And so that's going to be a big element of the focus as we get going and rip into this today. And so we're really going to divide it out. We got Brock here because he's going to run through a demo. We're going to go sort of into the, the major product stuff, the features, capabilities, et cetera, as we run through the demo. And at the top here, I'm really going to start just sort of setting the stage about like, where, where does Dremio fit in the overall market? How are customers using us? What are those use cases? And we'll sort of do that interchange and, and drop it in. So if you have questions along the way, 
uh, we'll get after it. We're also going to have a couple poll questions for you. You know, we really want to understand what are you guys trying to do? Maybe we can tailor this thing on the fly a bit to what you're trying to do or come back to you with another episode. You know, the show is going to run every week. It's for the community. It's for you guys. Whatever you guys tell us, we're going to spit back at you to make sure we're getting the information you need. All right, so just really running through this, you know, everyone on this uh, on the show today are sort of attending live here, you know, familiar with this, right? We, we, we've been trying to become more data-driven as businesses continue to move forward. How do we, how have we made that progression? And a lot of this continues to track with, you know, performance. How do we, how do we actually get access to the data and query it faster? And then how do we get more people to have that access? And then as that's happened, how have we tried to secure it and so forth? And, we, and we've really gone through this. And where, where we fit is in the open data lake house movement, we're really coming in after saying, look, we now have all of the performance, most of the functionality, what you could do with a warehouse, but now you have this sort of infinite scale and flexibility from the data lake. And that combination is really what we've been calling the data lake house. Uh, and our vision is that of it should, your data should be in an open format, an open table format, and you own that. And, and we'll talk more about that later, but that starts to bridge the best of both worlds between you want the speed and performance and access, and then you also want the scalability and flexibility of the data lake, and that's where the lake house fits in. Okay, and this really speaks to these competing data priorities that most most teams go through, whether right you're on this call and you're directly a data consumer and you're in a business team or you're a data engineer in a business team, or whether you know, you're an architect or an engineer in a central team, you probably are feeling this some sort of this pain, which is the business wants to move faster all the time. They want more access. They want straight up agility. They just want to be able to go whether that's building a product and they need access to data to build the product or whether that's uh, building, you know, an analytical uh, data mart. In our case, we call that a departmental lake house and they're trying to move really quickly. And then on the centralized side, trying to say, well, I got to govern that. I got to make sure sensitive data doesn't go out. I got to make sure that it's secure and our data is encrypted and so forth. And so what a lot of companies are left with when they look at that is something that's sort of like this. I got all this data and all these, all these places, I got all these different business consumers and all these different ways we're trying to use data between, you know, data science, pulling the data, wrangling it, building the models, operating those models, all the dashboards that we're doing, you know, Tableau, Power BI, et cetera, and all the, all the direct data-driven applications. And in the middle, you're like, okay, well, well, how do I, how do I do this? And how do I manage all the security risks in the middle of it? And so architectures often look like this. Uh, I was just, um, I was just emailing with a customer a couple of days ago and we were, we were going through their architecture and, you know, their use of Dremio was this massive consolidation of all these ETL jobs you see down here, all these data copies. So it's landing in all these, you know, repositories, and then it's getting copied into these warehouses, typically for some sort of performance gain. And then there's, there's extracts and things like that going on on top to help for further performance gains. And then you're managing all of that. So every time you want to make a change, it has to cascade through the whole system. And then it's sort of a mess, right? Becomes skyrocketing costs. It's hard to help the business move fast because everything has to go back to an engineer. So that sort of relates to no self-service. Okay. And this is where Dremio comes in. You know, we're really working to bridge that. You know, we started with ease of use in mind from the start, okay? And that's why we have a semantic layer built into the query engine uh, that's all part of Dremio Sonar. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. And so you can get this unified view of the data. You can open up that access and discovery to all the different business units. It's really easy for apps and dashboards and data science users to connect directly through. 
All right. And so you don't have to have all these copies everywhere and you don't need to do all these different, you know, extracts, for example, to manage performance. It, it all actually just works through our query acceleration technology and, and a set of other technologies that we've built. Brock will go into a little bit more detail as we go through the demo. And so where are we really different between, let's say, other data lake house providers or other query engines that are on the market? And the first one comes to this focus on ease of use and self-service, which is the business, then the data consumers, they want to be able to move fast and they want to be able to, um, uh, to, 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 to accomplish their projects, to get the information they need to either make decisions or, or to, to build new applications. Okay. And so that starts with a really simple and easy to use interface. It also starts with a unified view of data. And so having the semantic layer built in with the query engine allows us to do that. And then we've worked really hard to have lots of different connections. So you can federate queries across you know, on-prem and cloud. You can federate queries across RDBMS, Hadoop, and cloud, uh, et cetera. And so in some customers that we have really big where they're managing you know, dozens of petabytes of data, you know, they have huge numbers of data sources. We'll talk about one of them later. Uh, I'm referencing TransUnion right now. Um, all of that comes together and then everyone on top, all the business users, the applications, et cetera, can go and access that data. And so it enables all these different teams to be able to self-serve. And then obviously, by the way, we have security and governance built, baked in. So all of that sort of competing priority stuff starts to sort itself out. And I think in a lot of, you know, there's this, the buzz term around data mesh right now, which I think probably most people have heard about. Um, there's a sort of this technical way to view it in terms of, you know, federated governance of that data. And I think sort of our our general view is most, most organizations are just trying to deal with this. I want the business to be able to move fast and have access. And then we have sort of security and governance on the central side. How do I bridge that most effectively? And that's really where we're focused on, not just building product now, but also, also our vision uh, as we're going forward to help our customers. Um, the next one's open data. We feel really strongly, I think many, many organizations continue to be burned over and over because they're basically held hostage by their data. You know, like someone else essentially has their data and it's your data, but it's in their format. And they say they're going to charge you more money. And then you start paying more money. And obviously that started largely with, with Oracle. Um, and then that's changed over time to, you know, I think a lot of people are starting to feel that with Snowflake today. Um, and what we want to do is give you choice. You have the choice. So we're based on open standards, like Apache Iceberg, like Apache Parquet. It's your data. And we sit on top of that. And if we're no longer the choice for you, you can move. There's no vendor lock-in. You can use a different query engine. You can use a different technology with your data, but we're not holding your data hostage. We really strongly that that's, that's the movement, that level of flexibility is required for organizations to not have to continue to rebuild and migrate and do all this stuff with their data, you know, every three to five years. And then we can't have a great self-service experience if we don't have world-class performance. So we have sub-second performance. We have a set of query acceleration technologies. Brock will talk more about that in the demo. And we do all of this at one-tenth the cost. Okay, you can imagine if you don't have all these data copies to manage and you don't have all these warehouses to try to deal with performance, well, you don't have to pay for any of that. So those are the things that drop your cost way down where you just have really inexpensive object storage, such as like S3 or ADLS, and then you're using us on top. That's it. That's the full extent of the architecture. So it simplifies everything down. And because of that, the costs are much, much lower. 
So let's talk about customers and the use cases that they use this for. So there's a whole wide variety, as you can imagine. You know, we we are a, a data infrastructure technology, and so you can get started in a lot of ways. But there are some common common patterns, and they usually fit into two buckets. The first bucket is I got a bunch of stuff today, and I want to make it work better. And we'll just sort of say that's the modernization and migration bucket, okay? And then on the other bucket, there's new projects, and it's like, hey, I want I, I want to launch this new application. I need this new functionality. I need uh, a new data mart for a customer 360, or I, I need my quants to be able to, to get better access to trading data. Um, all of those things happen, and we'll talk through customer examples for each of these. Now, there's even you know, more potential use cases. The ones on the screen that we're talking about now, these are what our customers actually use us for um, and start with us for, okay? So let's jump in. So we'll talk about the modernization piece first. As you can imagine, like there's, there's lots of ways you could start depending on where you are on your journey. And when we talk about modernization, you know, some customers might just say, look, I, I have all this data on prem and I'm planning on staying there and modernize. That's not typically what we see. We typically see the modernization with us as some path to migration, whether they are going to move everything to the cloud or whether they're going to move parts to the cloud or whether they're going to move parts to the cloud over a series of years. And, and with us, you can actually have a seamless experience for modernization starting right away, which is the data where it sits, okay? So what you do is you bring in Dremio, and then you can use that with HDFS, RDBMS, the, the data you have in the cloud, if, if you have any, across all these different data sources, you get that unified view of data, you get the performance acceleration and speed. And we think of that sort of as modern data virtualization. And in the cases where you have Hadoop, HCFS, and you're really, you know, we'll call it your existing on-prem data lake, you're getting a huge performance jump on that right away. And so a lot of customers start to say like, look, I just need to modernize Hadoop as I think about migration. And then as part of that, they're like, oh, I can connect in SQL Server. Oh, I can connect in Oracle. This is amazing. I can connect in this. And they start connecting all these other data sources. And then they have what, you know, we'll say data virtualization sort of promise could happen. They actually have that. And now customers can query that. And they can query it really fast. Um, and we'll talk about some things we do to try to even accelerate queries uh, through systems that are not, um, not Hadoop. Uh, if it's on-premise. And then as customers move forward to that, now they, they still get the benefits of now this, this high performance and the self-service analytics. That starts right in stage one. Then in stage two, what, en what ends up happening is they start migrating the data. Okay, and with Dremio, what you can do is you can have Dremio Cloud running for your cloud data. You can have Dremio software running on your software. So you now have your know, compute close to the storage. And then we have a Dremio Dremio connector. Okay, so that same view that your customers have in stage one, they maintain in stage two. All of that happening under the coverage of the migration, they don't even have to see. It's totally seamless. And so now what you're getting from a data team is you're reducing that infrastructure management cost because you're offloading that to the cloud and you don't have that impact on your users. And then some customers stop somewhere in stage two and they say like, look, that's where it's going to be. Other ones are saying, no, all of this is going to go to, let's say S3, ADLS, et cetera. And so then they go and they actually have a full lake house running with a relatively simple architecture because they've consolidated to do that. That's typically for many, many enterprises, a multi-year journey. It's totally fine. Again, the customers get to modernize, your data users get to modernize in stage one, and then it starts moving on from there. Okay. And now, now you have the best of all of it because you have the best performance when it's running out of a cloud object storage. 
Okay. And there's many other things that customers start to layer on as they get there. Uh, we'll talk about that, such as moving in from just open data files to open data tables like Apache Iceberg, um, which enables even more functionality, uh, brings you to what we'll say is uh, closer to a full lake house or warehouse environment on the lake. And then even some additional things that, that we're doing from an innovative perspective that we'll talk about around managing data as code a little bit later on. Okay, here's one example of the Hartford doing this. Uh, Hartford, I'm sure everyone's aware, uh, it's a very, very large uh, financial services institution. And what they end up doing, what they ended up doing is say, look, we have all this data in Oracle and Hadoop. Okay. And when we started with, and they're like, well, their plan was to move to Amazon S3. And so their plan was say, well, like, okay, that's, that's no problem. You can start with us. And so they started with Dremio. And in this case, this is all Dremio sonar. And so we come in on top. We're able to rapidly expand the performance of what they're getting on Hadoop. So their business users get happier just from the performance gain. Then we're able to bridge together both Oracle and Hadoop. So now we've changed the access and discovery game. And then we put it all in a really user-friendly environment. So that has led to massive value for them. And then while they do the migration to the cloud, that's seamless to the business user. And in the end, they're offloading management structure or management work because it's going to the cloud. And they're offloading costs because it's going to the cloud. And they're getting even better performance as it goes to the cloud. So that's just one example, really large company doing it. Another one's TransUnion. You know, in this case, again, they have they have data from more than 90,000 sources and they're managing 30 petabytes. So this is a, a massive outlay. It was very similar. It's like their Hadoop experience was very slow. And you'll see this a little bit as a trend. And, and if you're there and you have on-prem data, you probably invested in Hadoop at some point. And that is probably slow with a bunch of different query engines you're using, whether you know, you're doing it with a Apache drill, which is the case we'll talk about here, or whether you're doing it with, with Spark or you're doing it with Presto, Trino, et cetera. You know, you're going to get an order of magnitude performance improvement uh, using Dremio. So it's a, it's a logical starting place. And then you, again, you can just hook together other data sources and you're off and running. Um, and so as they did that, they were able to empower their analysts with self-service. And you'll see that's currently, that's a trend that keeps coming back because we have the semantic layer built in and we have the UI design from the start. And so as you can see here, they got a five to 10 X performance gain right away. And this is sort of that stage one we'll talk about. Okay. So this is what their architecture looked like coming in. Um, do this was, this was a map R implementation. And so then they built this custom web app called Prama on top of their data lake house with Dremio. And that's what they ended up exposing to all their data consumers. And then as they move through and forward in their stages, they're now starting their migration to the cloud. Okay. So what ends up happening is sort of map R and Hadoop are replaced by AWS and Amazon S3. And then we stay the same, right? Dremio is in there and Prama stays the same. And so they get all the advantages of that migration, but they keep business user continuity and that self-service that they've been able to bring into the company very early on. Okay. JP Morgan Chase is, is in a similar environment where they said, look, we, we have um, Sybase IQ is what they had been using on-premise. They wanted to modernize and migrate this. And by the way, this is all in their credit risk department. So this is largely to do with all the analysis around trying to determine like who should get credit and who shouldn't get credit and you know other things that they that they can flag saying, you know, this these are different credit products or products we could deliver to individuals. Okay. And they just had a bunch of cost issues, et cetera. Uh, and they decided to migrate all of that into a cloud data lake house. So they just basically did that all in one motion. And that's Amazon S3 plus Dremio was replacing like a host of other 
uh, uh, it was, it was mainly replacing Sybase IQ. Uh, and then that provided a significant ROI by just, you know, by replacing that expensive EDW um, with, a, with a data lighthouse. Um, and then sort of lastly, like we also have customers, in this case, 7-Eleven, who were already in more of a cloud data lakehouse environment. Uh, they had ADLS already set up. All the data was already there. And their starting point was like, hey, we got Databricks and Pinot and Presto, and we're still managing all these, all of this to make Power BI work. And we can simplify the whole architecture. And so this is really around their customer 360. You know, they have 71,000 different convenience stores. There's a lot of different ways they want to pull that information together to create a single view of the customer. They were able to, to really easily do that with Dremio. Now they, they could have the data was already there in ADLS, but they're able to provide that view using, using our semantic layer to all of their wide variety of data consumers they have across the business, uh, in this case through Power BI. Okay, and then as I said, there, there's a whole set of new projects. You know, I'm not going to cover all of them. We have customers customers going through um, each and every one of these. Um, the one that probably surprised me the most, I started at Dremio about three months ago, was customer-facing analytics apps. So uh, we actually have a blog out with Tata about a, a mobile app they built that runs directly on cloud object storage through Dremio, which I think is super cool. We're seeing that more as a trend. Um, as that goes through. And, and I'll talk about probably the most common one though is these departmental lake houses. So, so in crowd, um, it's a business where they're basically working with sports clients on how their fans are engaging, interacting, spending across like all their touch points. And so what they, they basically had a, had a legacy data warehouse. Um, you could say they argue that they were using that as a data mart. They replaced the data mart with a data lake house. And you see like they just get a lot better access to the data. They have more control, security, and governance. Again, Brock will talk a little bit about that in the demo that we have with Sonar baked in um, to the product already. Uh, and that was able to, you know, with the with the improvements and points, they were able to increase revenue and loyalty. Um, Merlin Networks. This is a uh, this is this is a business where they're dealing with digital rights, and so they have to have a lot of data coming in for like who to pay for, you know, different people listening to different music. And they basically had this difference where they had BigQuery and S3. And so they were like, okay, well, we got to get everything on one of these. And they decided to go, they decided to go with AWS. Um, and as they did that, you know, they started to look at Athena, but Athena was really having trouble when they were dealing with large amounts of small queries. Okay. And this is something that we really excel in high, you know, high concurrency, high performance, interactive queries. And so when they evaluated us, they came in and they went with uh, they went with Dremio, and it it enables them to run this application. It's an internal application that's running directly on data that's brought into Amazon S3, um, and enables them to to help operate their business. Okay, we'll, we'll talk a little bit. I'm going to talk high level about the products and, and ecosystem before I turn it over to Brock. So. We keep building out our ecosystems. As you can imagine, like there's 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 parts that we're going to do, but like we're not Tableau, right? We're we're not gonna, we're not going to build the BI tool. So we want to be able to have an ecosystem so that you just have connectors to uh, to connect into. Same thing with all of the the cloud and data infrastructure uh, pieces that you'll see on the bottom. And so we're continuing to build and grow that ecosystem out, and really all of the main providers uh, that you'll work with across the we'll say the data analytics ecosystem we have as partners. And then we have two main products. We have Dremio Sonar and Dremio Arctic. And, and Sonar is really our lake house engine, right? This is where it has our, our simple UI 
um, it has our semantic layer and it has the our our SQL engine with query acceleration technology. And then on Dremio Arctic, this is still in preview. This is our new product coming out where it enables customers to manage their data as code. It does automatic data optimization and it has a data catalog. Okay. And, and we'll talk about both um, at a relatively high level. And then again, in the demo, Brock will go into Sonar a bit more. So this is what Dremio Sonar looks like. So again, just to reiterate, we have a bunch of ways to connect into BI tools, notebooks, and editors. This is ODBC, JDBC, REST, Aeroflight. So again, you know, Aeroflight is, is what you'd use if you have Jupyter Notebook and you're writing Python and you're trying to query the data and all these sources through Python. Uh, we have an intuitive UI. Uh, our SQL runner is awesome. Brock will show you that. And then we have a, we have a lot of different um, functionality that, that analysts can do or other consumers can do from a no-code perspective, such as like you can create calculated columns. Uh, we have a whole space where you can share data uh, and work in a collaborative environment. And so that's all baked in. We have the semantic layer. So you get this unified view of data in business terminology that the business can actually understand across this huge, broad range of data sources. All right. And then we have a built-in data catalog that also has data lineage. That's all part of the semantic layer. And then we get into the query engine where a lot of people are like, oh, it's, it's a query engine. Well, it's a lot more than a query engine because of the way that we focus on the UI and the UI and that overall experience and because of the semantic layer we have built in. And then, so we use Arrow. Um, it's downloaded 70 million times a month now. It's it's for vector-based execution. It is really, really fast. It is the highest performance core of an engine that you can have. And then we do um, accelerations on top of that using something called data reflections. Rock will talk to you a little bit more about that. And then we're able to federate those queries across all these different data sources. Um, we've also done some things around multi-engine architecture, workload management, et cetera, to make the experience even better and more efficient and faster. And then we have a way to read uh, a wide variety of data. So we, you know, we're reading, we can read from iceberg and Delta Lake, and um, we'll talk a bit about with Iceberg, we can also, also do DML and, and, and all these write operations. And then from a file perspective, Parquet, ORC, JSON, CSVs, uh, and then we also have ARP connectors. And then on the right-hand side, this is what we're talking about. We have security and governance built in. We have RBAC, we have five-grain access controls, authentication, auditing, and query history. That is all within Sonar, and that's why our customers are getting so much value, and we're seeing so many use cases explode with Dremio. Okay, on the Iceberg side, um, this is what's going to enable, if you're going into Iceberg from an open table format perspective, the other table format that's out there is Delta Lake, okay? And what we're seeing right now is uh, from a read-only perspective, you'll see we support both of them. We know companies are going to figure out which one's the best for them. But what we've seen with Iceberg, which is Apache Iceberg, it, it's the Apache open source project, is that we have more contributors, okay, going in. And that we're seeing a much diverser range uh, uh, or, or uh, the, the, the people who are contributing to Apache, it's far more diverse. And so this is actually what it, what it looks like from the data perspective is um, people like Netflix, Apple, AWS, Tabular, ourselves, like we're all in this helping Iceberg, you know, develop and grow very quickly. And so on the Delta Lake side, you have Databricks. So it is our belief that Iceberg is going to become, I mean, it's going to become the um, the the open source uh, format, the standard, and so you'll see that we have a we have a sort of iceberg uh, first mentality in terms of a lot of the different write operations and other functionality that we're building into Dremio, 
If you have more questions about Iceberg, it's a hot topic right now. We have a lot of content on our blog about it. And we'll be doing additional sessions. Um, Alex, Alex is super involved. We're very, we're, we're very involved in the Iceberg community overall. Um, and we'll talk about like the, the well, I'm just talking about it now. It's important um, if you want to get into the right functionality and into managing data as code with Arctic that you would have Iceberg as table formats. And we're going to make that super easy super easy for customers to have their their open files turned into uh, iceberg tables okay here's just an example um you can do record lo record level data mutations automatic partitioning instant schema and partition evolution time travel all through the use of iceberg with dml so let's insert update delete any of these engines and so um if you want to use that functionality that is available in Sonar, you need to have uh, the data within Iceberg tables. Okay, Dremio Arctic, something also that's, that, that you need to have Iceberg tables for right now is this is really the, going to become the easiest way to manage your data lake. Okay, and that really starts with managing data as code. And so you think about a lot of people out there thinking about data products, like how do I create data products? How do I create, you know, these, these hubs or... Um, sandboxes, if you will, for all the different business teams, which really is a branch, right? You can think of it as a branch off the main core where you can bring in data and then it can get checked in and then it can be merged back through. There's a huge amount that goes into governance and security and flexibility. And so as we're trying to bridge those divides between, you know, access and control and businesses can bring their own data in and all of this, but also being able, uh, I'm sorry, access and agility, but also sort of the security and control, all of that comes together, right? All of that can come together with data as code. And so I think this is a, a big game changer for how organizations are going to look at sort of creating that, that, um, that environment within their organizations. Obviously, too, I guess you're going through and you have all these tables, you want to be able to optimize them. Um, and so we will actually do that automatically. So we'll do automatic data optimization through your iceberg tables. And then you need a catalog to manage the whole thing. And so we have a data catalog that's all baked into Arctic. And this whole this this whole set, this whole set of features is really designed to just make managing the lake house very simple, improve data quality, improve governance, et cetera, through the whole process. Okay, this is what it looks like. Like I, I talked about the pieces, but just so you can see a little bit more of what's in there on the, uh, I'll actually start at the top here. There's branches, tags, and commits. Again, everything you just think about it like Git, um, Git for data. On the catalog side, you have a unified view of tables. We have data lineage, table views, hierarchies, data discovery. That's all in the catalog. Uh, on the governance and security side, similar what we talked about with Sonar, fine-grained access controls, audit commit histories. And then on the operation side, uh, automated data optimization, optimization, garbage collection, data ingestion. Okay, and this is a little bit more sort of going into data as code. Again, it's a Git-like experience for the data lake. So you have data version control, and then on the other side, you have data branching. Okay, and this just enables a huge, huge amount of, um, we'll say, uh, innovation to happen in data management. Okay, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Brock. And Brock's going to run through, again, like, how do you actually get started? Hands-on keyboard. If you want right now, if you're not already in a test drive, you can do that. You can follow along. Um, it's going to be a ride. And he'll talk you through some of the features that are enabling that as he goes. Thanks, Brock.
Awesome. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me here today. So I'm going to start off with just showing you Dremu Cloud as a whole. And then I'll jump into test drive so you can understand what test drive offers you. So this is Dremu Cloud. For you not familiar with this, it's easy. You Once you set up uh, an organization and sign up for Dremu Cloud, you'll be presented with something very similar to this view. This is our data set view. When you first log in, you'll see a blank space for spaces and blank sources. You can easily start adding objects to Dremio by clicking the plus source button. And this will give you the option here to add different sources. You can see we have different options around data as codes. You can add an Arctic catalog, start with Arctic right away today. If you already have existing data in Glue or S3, you can easily just add those. And now you have your data lakes available for you. In databases and data warehouses, you can easily add any of these sources by just clicking on them, going through, filling out your credentials and saving that. One of the great things about this is you have full permissions on everything in Dremio. So you can set what permissions every user has, or within Dremio, we also have the ability to set roles. Those roles can be pulled in through different aspects using LDAP, single sign-on. Um, we have skim support, Octa support as well. So you can pull in all those roles, all those privileges from existing um, authorization authentication mechanisms that you have today and allow them to filter in here for you to set permissions on who can access what objects. Again, that can be done on anything within Dremio. So you see here, I have these spaces. They're like logical grouping and organization of data sets within Dremio. So I have these spaces and in these spaces, I can set who has permissions to do what in those spaces. And it's a hierarchical type permissions. So I go down to every object within Dremio. In this space, particularly that we're looking at now, I actually have some folders for organization. But before I dive too much into this space, I get into this view here. Uh, just want to show you guys that we do have a couple of different things here on the left-hand side. What we're seeing now is the data set view. It'll allow you to browse data sets and manipulate the D DML on those data sets. We also have a SQL runner view that will show you the actual SQL, and you can start building out your own queries from scratch here. You can, inside this view, do things like create scripts and save those scripts and share them with other users as well. Then we have this jobs view that shows you every job that's ran within Dremio. If you're an admin, you see everything. If you're a user without admin permissions, you only see your queries. So here I can see everything. I'm an admin, so I can see all those things. The last thing is the project settings. I'll hit on that a little bit later. But back here inside this view, I want to do something like actually start working with some data. I want to pull up this business space. I'm going to go into the transportation folder, and I'm going to open up New York uh, Trips data set. If I open this up, you'll see here, it shows me the DDL for this. So this is, uh, you know, I can do a quick run on it and see the data and just get a brief little preview of what that looks like. There's a million records just came back real quick, just to give me an idea with what this data is. Now, this is a, a data set with 1 billion records. We're going to only show you a subset of that in the web UI because you don't, no one can really work with a billion records in the UI. Really, millions more than enough. I can look at it and get an idea of what this data is. If I'm going to start doing some calculations on top of that, Dremio will process the full data set to do all your calculations. But the great thing about this is I could start working with this and pull it somewhere else. But before I do that, I'm going to go ahead and look at a couple different tabs we have here. We have this nice catalog tab that lets you see you know, some information, wiki information that we've created for this data set. You can edit any data set's wiki page and add anything like text, graphics, and links, and more information about what this is. In fact, we have users today that automatically populate this through our REST API. So if you have a external data catalog and you want to populate that information, you can do that. This next tab here is our data lineage tab. We call it the graph tab. And this shows you where this data set's being used and what data sets it is using. 
So in this data set, you can see it's coming from an S3 source. As we traverse backwards, you can actually click on it and traverse backwards to see the parent and the parent's parent. So this gives you a really great idea of where is this data really coming to and from. And you can see we have a lot of uh, descendants using these data sets everywhere. But ultimately, it's coming from this physical data set. You can tell it's a physical data set because it's purple, and it's a view if it's this green color. So we can see here that's a physical data set. That is the raw, untouched data set. Everything on top of it is just a view that we're going to work with. The last tab is our Reflections tab. I'm not going to jump into the Reflections tab yet. I'll show you that a little bit later. So coming out here into the TRIPS data set, if I highlight this, I can easily go to the SQL the query data set view, and this will take us into the SQL editor. There's a couple of different things we can do in here. We can just run it and get an idea of what the data looks like. We can pull this out into other tools as well. We can even do calculations on this. Maybe when I do a quick little calculation, maybe I want to do um, a calculation of, let's just find the distance here. And maybe when I change this over to a calculated field, I want to go ahead and just do times by 1.6 to give me some kilometers. And I'm going to keep both fields and I'm just going to click apply. So now Jeremy is going to apply that. And I can see I have both the, the distance MI and distance kilometers. And that just gives me a great way of, hey, I want to keep both of those. And I want to have them both for my analysis. I can save this then as another view. I'm just going to save my own, my own personal space. I'm just going to call it NYC trips. Just make sure there's nothing else there. All right. So now that I click save, you'll see I have this couple buttons that pop up, a Tableau and Power BI button. Any BI tool can really connect to Tremio. We have these native integrations with Tableau and PI, uh, Power BI from our web uh, UI. You can just click it. It's going to download a file that's just a link to Dremio. I'm going to go ahead and open that up. When that opens up, I'm going to switch over to Tableau. So we're just authenticating with single sign-on into Tableau, so you don't have to fill in your credentials in both places. Now, Tableau is going to connect and run every query in here directly against Dremio. We're not going to use cubes or extracts or anything like that matter. So if I go ahead and do a full count on all of this data, I just want to see how many records I got. You can see Dremio came back at the speed of thought. It was so quick, we got a billion records. Now, I want to slice and dice this data. Let's look at it by the pickup date. I want to quickly see what does that look like. And without waiting for the window to spin and get this information back, I was able to quickly see how many riders per day, or per year in this case, came back. And I can even drill into this data without using any kind of cubes or extracts, I can get down to uh, more, uh, more granular levels of this data. In fact, if you have a cube or extract, you might not be able to do that because those cubes and extracts become too large. You can see how quick that was. I can break down to the year, month level. In fact, if I really want to, I can go to the day level. You cannot do that today with most tools and get this kind of performance. So let's just back this up a little bit. Let's look at the month level. And let's add some other uh, measures to this. Let's go ahead and look at some things like maybe the tip amount and find out, you know, has a tip amount changed throughout the year? Um, we're going to do an average. All right. It's got, it goes up a little bit towards the end of the year. People get a little, during the holidays, feeling a little better and giving, you know, bigger tips. Well, let's see, has a fair amount affected that? Maybe I want to see that as well. So it's going to just change that to an average as well. So you can quickly do this analysis. You can see, okay, well, actually the 
fair amount's gone up. That might be the reason why the fair has gone up, the tips have gone up in percentage wise. Uh, so this just gives you a really quick, easy, fast way to build these dashboards, apply anything you want to do with inside them. And then at the end of the day, you can share it to the other users and have that access to that data. Going back over to Dremio, let me just switch over here. Going back over here to Dremio, you can see that we have in the jobs page, all these queries. This all came directly from Tableau and ran directly in Dremio. If I open up one of these queries, you'll see the query that was submitted, some information about the job and how fast it ran. But something really important here is how do we get this information so fast, the billion records of data back? Well, we are able to do that via reflections. Reflections are an acceleration technique within Dremio that give you great performance on your data sets, even if they're very large data sets. In this case, an aggregate reflection is like an index on your data. And it's going through and indexes that data automatically for you, and it'll keep it up to date for you. So whenever you run a query against any data set that has this reflection within its query path, Dremio does automatic substitution, meaning no user queries a reflection directly. This happens automatically for them. So as a user, all I know is my performance is great. That's all I care about. So coming back over here, I know we touched base, you know, Reed had mentioned earlier, you know, being able to join data between different data sources. So it's very easy to do that in Dremio. I have this Postgres database down here and I have some data in S3. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna to go to this query editor. I'm gonna go ahead and go from my business layer, transportation. I'm gonna just do a select bar from this, pull over this here. And then I'm just gonna run that. Again, we've seen this before as the data set. Well, you could either, if you're you know, SQL savvy, you might wanna come in and just type in the SQL. I can always do, use the UI, click the join button, browse down to the Postgres database, the public. I'm gonna grab some weather data and it'll give me a nice little preview of what that looks like. I, yep, that looks like what I want. Just go ahead and click the next button, drag over the pickup date and the date here as well. And now I'm going to hit apply. This will generate the query for me. So I don't have to go and write it myself. And if I hit the run button, I will get some information back to see what does this really look like? And I should be able to then act on that data, save it and share it with other users. Again, if I scroll over, I should be able to see that join. So you can see there, there's the two dates. I now have the weather data and I have the data from the New York City Trips data set. Again, I can save this view. I can save my own space, just NYC weather. Ooh. And now I have a data set I can then go and use in any other tool. In fact, I can pull this back out in the Tableau and do some analysis there as well if I want to. So it just makes it very easy to share this, create data sets, join between different sources and get performance on that. It's one of the other cool things here at the top. Again, we mentioned the graph tab. By clicking the graph tab, I can see both those data sets in that data lineage. I can see one's coming from Postgres and one's coming from uh, S3. So I know that where the data is coming to and from. If I had more sources in here joined together, you'd see all of them as well. Or if they're just a bunch of S3 sources, you see a bunch of S3 tables. All right, so I touched base a little bit on permissions. I wanna kind of jump into just a little bit about how we can do fine grain access control. So within Dremio, if I go to the security layer and I have this employees table, this is just a view that has some information in it and I click run. I can see here, only three records. This has a lot more than three records. The, and you can notice that the social security number, the credit card number, and the credit card code, 
they have some kind of masking done to them and it makes so I can't see the information in those columns. Uh, the way this is being done is not through something being stored inside of a view, but rather through our native policies. If I go in here, I can show you what those look like. I have a couple of UDF functions that define how we're gonna do some of this masking. So I have a protect social security number masking that happens. And what it's doing is it's looking at the user running the query. If it's you know the gnarly uh, dremio.com or the user dremio, or if they are a member of the role accounting, then they can see the full social security number. Otherwise, they're gonna see what I see, which is that masked out number. Something very similar for the credit card code. And again, something very similar for the, um, I'm sorry, I have two different ones for credit card code. But yeah, something very similar for that credit card code. And then lastly, I do, once you've done this, you just apply the masking policy to the data set, and that will then make sure that the policy gets applied. So anyone that runs a query against the data set will always have this. And you can reuse those UDFs on any data set within Dremio. So you could save there, create that same policy, and go out there and just apply it everywhere on everything that has a screen number or whatever you need to do. It makes it very easy and very reusable within the environment. One of the great things is that masking, or sorry, the um, row level policy can be applied as well the same way. And you can do it on the base tables. That way, anyone coming in is going to automatically, even at the base table level, have those filters applied. So if there's any PII you don't want to share it with anyone, you can apply it right away. Here's how you would do it with a um, row level policy. You just look at the query user and you match it up with some kind of column you want to filter on. So maybe it's department ID is what I'm doing here. And we're filtering that department ID. And then you apply that policy as well. Once it's done, you'll be able to, again, like you saw before, you select from that table and you can see that I'm only seeing three records. And this actually has a lot more than three records in it. This data set has, um, if I go back into the Postgres system, I can see in here the employees table. I go to the raw table because I have permissions in the raw table. It has many more than that. Uh, has 107 records in there. So you can see all that information if you went to the base table because there are no policies being applied on the base table. All right. So how do you guys get started today? I'm going to show you real quick um, how you can test out some of Dremio's functionalities without using a credit card, without doing anything. You can just sign up on our website and do Dremio test drive. So how do you do that? Go to Dremio.com. You'll see up here in the top, we have this button that says start test drive. All you gotta do is go in here, fill in some information, your first name, your last name, your email. And I'm just gonna click sign up. So this will then send me an email that I will then be able to log in. You can just click the open Gmail button. I'm gonna go over here. I'm gonna see if that got sent. You'll see here that you were invited by Gnarly Narwhal. You can click the join organization button and it'll take you over here. You can create a password, You, if, however you wanna set up the sign-in. I'm just gonna click the login with Google real quick and click that. And then once I'm in, I will now have access to the environment. And it's going to pop up here and we can go ahead and click. It will give you an overlay, which I already dismissed, that will show you, here's how you can get started today. And it'll walk you through the process of creating your own view, querying the data sets like I did. So going into a data set, uh, querying that, running uh, the information out of there, and quickly see you know the same thing I just did with you. It's going to be a very read-only experience, but it'll let you see the information. Look at the catalog view. You can see the catalog view in there. You'll be able to see the graph and data lineage in there as well. 
um, and it'll let you create and save your own object inside your own space here. You won't have the option to add sources in the test drive or add spaces, uh, but once you've gotten familiar with the environment and you really think, hey, I'm ready to go on and set up my own Drummy Cloud instance, you can go back to our Drummy.com and sign up for Drummy Cloud at that point. All right. Thanks, everyone. I'll hand it back over to Reed here. That was great. Thanks, Brock. You know, the um, we're really going to switch over here, but uh, I think just to, to emphasize that point, you know, a great way that test drives a great way to just get hands on. And what we find is as our customers go through that, they're just like, oh, they really start to experience the power of what you can do. They want to do it with their own data. Uh, and then we really have, you know, great options with Dremio Cloud and, and also Community Edition, depending on where your data is you know, to get up and running and just try it out, sort of get to the next level experimentation. You know, the one of the things to note, and I'll sort of close on this as we start taking questions is, you know, all of this package together, just getting a sense of it from us in, in you know, let's call it a short 50 minutes here, you know, has led us to be one of the fastest growing companies. You know, we just, uh, Deloitte Fast 500 just came out, we're number 23. Um, you know, so if, if you're interested, as you look at this, you're not alone. Uh, you know, five of the Fortune 10 still, and we just have a lot of a lot of companies coming in. So we really just say, like, look, try the product, you know, just try it out, use it. That's really our call to action here. If you don't love it, don't buy it. Uh, if you do, you know, talk to us and we'll help you get set up. Um, if you want this presentation uh, directly to your organization, you reach out on the contact us on our website. We'll come in, we'll, we'll give you a presentation just for your group if you want us to redo it. Um, if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, hey, will you come out and present or whatever? Yeah, we can go We can go work through that, okay? So um, uh, really excited to hear your questions. Uh, we got time for a few more and, and, and we'll shoot for it from there. Ready? Uh, oh, sorry. No, I was, I was gonna jump in just because of time. Is that cool, Alex? Like, there's yeah, a question go for it. specifically on the Merlin case study. Hey, hey so, so one of one of the questions was like, hey, what was the advantage of moving from Merlin going from BigQuery to Dremio? And and the reality on that one is it wasn't actually like a head to head where they're going BigQuery to Dremio in that instance because what happened is all their data was on S3, and based on an architectural concern, you know, issue is they basically had the the essentially the warehouse which they're using BigQuery for over and trying to actually run those queries directly against the data in S3, and then you have compute and storage in different areas and. You know, there's some cases where those cloud providers are so close together that there's not as much of a latency concern between that, but they were trying to have everything over on, on one provider. So when they were going to do that motion, they had already decided to say, look, we're going to run this thing on Amazon. Okay. And then what ended up happening is they said, look, we're going to try, we're going to go see what Athena does. And Athena didn't meet the requirements, both from a usability standpoint, but also from a performance concurrency standpoint that Dremio did. So just wanted to make sure I hit that question up. We hadn't gotten to it um, in the chat yet. And there should be a poll. So everyone just feel free to uh, answer that poll. Yeah, so just related to this, because this came up during, you know, I was answering questions. A lot of different people are, are asking about, hey, there's this item going on with, uh, with ETL, you know, like, hey, what, what, what do I need to do with Dremio in terms of this data environment, et cetera, but they're not sharing a lot of details yet. Look, a lot of it depends. You know, a lot of it depends on like, how are you landing the data, where you're landing the data, what formats you're landing the data in, about whether it's something you're gonna need to deal with upstream of Dremio from more of a data engineering perspective, or it's something that you're gonna do with Dremio or a Dremio partner, you know, after you're still using the existing pipelines you have. And so I can't tell 
in some cases right now. We can't get into that level of detail. So you're going to just have to say like, look, we'll reach out to you of an architect. We'll talk through those details, figure out about your use case. So just click yes. And then that's our trigger to say, okay, we'll follow up and go deep with you uh, post the cast. Awesome. And just about all the questions uh, were answered in the chat box. So if, you, if you're looking at the Q&A, you should be able to see under the answer section all the uh, typed up responses to most of the questions. I think the meeting ones are probably in the process yeah. of being handled. Huh? One last one came in. How do we talk to existing databases? Look like that's a push down. Okay. So uh, someone just answered it. So we have optimized push downs. We're going to push down. If you have a BI tool on top, right? Look, what we're going to use is re reflections can help there. So we can actually do some work in Dremio to help speed up queries that you might be using to legacy databases or RDBMSs. Um, and we're doing all that through the query acceleration technology that Brock talked about. Perfect. And uh, next off, I just want to say one awesome presentation and say thank you to uh, Reem Maloney and Brock Griffey uh, on presenting today. So thank you guys for coming on to the show. And, okay, we, uh, will, we will talk about, so we'll get back to you guys. So someone asked about like, are we really performant with a lot of on-prem data? Absolutely. It does depend on, on like, if it's just an ad hoc exploratory question, you know, the question you're asking the data, we're really just limited to the system you have. If it's something where you're going to be hitting that query more often, like a BI level dashboard, we're probably going to be able to speed it up. Um, we're going to see the biggest performance gains when you're using a lake like Hadoop if it's on-prem. But you're going to you can still see gains from other systems that go through, and that's all driven by reflections. A lot of questions on reflections. We're going to do have to bring up a whole system. We're going to do a whole nother gnarly data waves on reflections. That's what that's what this is telling me, uh, and we'll come back to the community with that. So so thanks for that feedback. I know we got a drop for today, guys. Thanks, Alex. Awesome. Yep. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming on. And again, everybody, we'll see you guys again next week with the presentation on migrating your BI over to Superset. Make sure to check out Dremio Test Drive. Make sure to check on your local DataHops event and register for the Subsurface Live Conference. Again, that's March 1st and March 2nd. But thank you for attending the inaugural episode of Gnarly Data Waves. You guys all have a great evening um, and we look forward to seeing you uh, next week. I'll see you all there.